Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. This is Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Let's jump in. Jesus continued, I assure you that some standing here won't die before they see God's kingdom arrive in power. So that's a clue as to what we're about to see. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he brought them to the top of a very high mountain where they were alone. And he was transformed in front of them. His clothes were amazingly bright, brighter than if they had been bleached white. And Elijah and Moses appeared and were talking with Jesus. And Peter reacted to all of this by saying, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let's make three shrines or three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he said this because he didn't know how to respond, for the three of them were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and and a voice spoke from the cloud, this is my son, whom I dearly love. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so they kept it to themselves, wondering, what's this rising from the dead? Back in elementary school, every teacher in our school had a, had a stack of note cards on their desk. And the note cards had this little picture on them. And the the point of those note cards was that at any point during the day, you could get up and go grab one of those note cards and you could write an encouraging note to a fellow student at the school or to a teacher. And the picture on the card was a little animal, a little fuzzy animal, looked kind of like a Furby. And the cards were called warm fuzzies, warm fuzzies. And so the point was, you know, you send somebody a warm fuzzy and they feel all warm and fuzzy inside. They feel good inside because of your encouragement. You know, I can remember writing so many warm fuzzies. There was a couple cute little girls. I sent them some warm fuzzies and I don't remember ever getting any back. And which surprises you. I can't believe that, but it's true. And, uh, but we all want to feel warm and fuzzy inside. And we want those good feelings inside. We want those in every area of our life. And when we think about the area of faith, the spiritual component of our life, we often describe that feeling, warm, fuzzy, that inside, warm, fuzzy feeling. We describe it geographically, which is curious. You know what we call it? You probably know, we call it the mountaintop experience. It's interesting that that visual, that geographic landmark, the top of a mountain has just entered our vernacular of faith. And so if you, you say somebody, I'm kind of on the top of the mountain with God right now, they know exactly what you're talking about. And the reason is because if you read through scripture, all kinds of people have incredibly intimate moments with God on the tops of mountains. 
uh, including the two guys who show up and talk to Jesus here in this story. We got Elijah and Moses. Both of them have been dead for a long time. But interestingly, they show up on the top of this mountain with Jesus, and both of them had mountaintop experiences too. Elijah's on the run for his life. God invites him up onto a mountain. He says, I'm going to pass you by. And he comes by, and he's not in the roaring wind. He's not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. You remember? He's in this gentle whisper. And Elijah and God whisper back and forth. Talk about intimate, warm fuzzies. And then there's Moses. Moses is called up to the top of a mountain or he gets the Ten Commandments. He's caught up to the top of this mountain. He's up there so long with God in the presence of the glory of God that he comes down the mountain shining. He looks like Jesus does here on this mountain. He's shining, which is connected with the glory of God. He's been in the presence of God's shine for so long it's rubbed off on him. So he comes down the mountain, he has to cover his face because the people can't look at him. He's shining so much. So he obviously looks good on the outside, but I'm guessing he felt pretty good on the inside. He'd been with God on the mountain. You know, the mountaintop is just synonymous for us with those places where we get really close with God. You know, at Highland, every week, and it's coming up really soon, we talk about the best week of the year. What's the best week of the year? Camp Highland. All these kids from this church and from a lot of other places are going to come to Camp Highland two weeks from now. And I'll tell you what, on the first night and the second night, some of those kids are going to miss their mamas and their daddies. But on the last night, not a single one of them is going to want to go home. Because they're going to feel closer to God than they have ever been in their entire life. So close they could reach out and touch Him. And they don't want that to stop. It's that mountaintop experience. In some ways, they're going to be just like Peter, who in this story, he's up there on the mountaintop with God. He says, Jesus, whoa, it is really good that we're here. So let's stay here. Let's build a couple houses, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, maybe one for me over here. And we'll just stick around up here on the top of the mountain where it's so good with you forever. He doesn't understand when they head back down the mountain and they don't stay up there. Here's what I want to do over the next two weeks. This is, I want to kind of pull these two sermons up, lift them up kind of above the rest of the Good News series. And what I want to do is I want to think today about why God takes us to the mountaintops. Why does God give us those intimate moments with him where we feel so warm and fuzzy, so connected to God? Why does he give us those moments because he never lets us stay there. It's rare that we get to live there very long for most of us. So why does he take us there? And then next week, we're going to talk about what happens after you've been on the mountaintop, and that is you come down the mountain into the valley. We're going to talk about what God's doing in the valley. But here's what I would guess. I would guess that at some moment in your life, you have had an intimate, close experience with God. Maybe it was at Camp Highland, maybe somewhere else. But you had this moment of connection with him. That's, that's what I'm going to guess. Okay. You probably haven't had as many of those as you'd like. I mean, how many of you would raise your hand and be like, oh, me and God are good. We've always been good. We are so tight and we're tight all the time. 
You know, I think the world was surprised when uh, Mother Teresa, when her correspondences were released after her death, she'd, you know, written about these years of ministry serving the least of these in Calcutta. And what we learned from those correspondences is that she had one close, intimate experience with God in her whole life, one. And then the rest of her life was this quiet service of the Jesus she had experienced in that one moment. So we all want more of those moments. Mother Teresa wished for more of those, but we don't often get them. Our lives are often lived down in the valley. So next week, the valley, this morning, why does God, why does he give us those mountaintop moments? I think part of this is geared towards our young people who are gonna be at camp or just finished work camp and had some of those moments. But I'm thinking about all of you because you're all, you're all after those moments, aren't you? So why does God sometimes give them to us? You notice I keep saying that God gives us those moments. Did you notice in this passage that Jesus, look at this, verse, chapter nine, verse two, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them to the top of a very high mountain where they were alone. In other words, they didn't choose to go there. They didn't wake up that morning and say, I'm gonna get up 15 minutes early, I'm gonna have an awesome Bible study and me and Jesus are gonna be tight all day. It wasn't something they chose, Jesus just took them there. So why does God take us there? If I don't get to stay there, why does he give me these momentary glimpses of his power, his kingdom come in power? And why does he give me these glimpses of his glory? Well, did you notice what God said? when God speaks. If you ever want to figure out why something is happening, you know, one thing to do is like pay attention to what God says. So did you notice what God says in the middle of this passage? A cloud overshadowed them. A voice spoke from the cloud. This is what he said. This is my son whom I dearly love. Listen to him. Now, does that line seem familiar to anybody? This is one of the great advantages of reading through a whole book. You may remember that this line, what God says here, is almost exactly the same thing that God says at the beginning of Mark. Do you remember that? Jesus is being baptized and God speaks from heaven again. And this is what he says. You're my son whom I dearly love and you I find happiness. So both times that God speaks, he has something to say about the identity of this man, Jesus, this man among you, this guy, he's mine, he's my son. Both times, that's what God says. And he says almost exactly the same thing. Both times he talks about Jesus' identity, but the key word there is almost. He doesn't say exactly the same thing. And so anytime you're reading your Bible and you see two lines that are almost exactly the same, but not quite, what do you pay attention to? The difference. Did you notice the difference? Let me show you one more time. This is what he says on the mountain of transfiguration. This is my son whom I dearly love. Listen to him. What's the difference? The first time he's talking to Jesus, at his baptism about his identity. The second time he's talking to us, to the disciples, telling us we have a responsibility because of Jesus' identity, which is what? Listen to him. 
uh, we're potty training our youngest right now. Pray for us. And we, we took the very bold step a few weeks ago of letting him ditch the diaper and come to church without a diaper. So as he likes to say, he was wearing his big boy unders at church. Problem is, he was telling everybody at church he was wearing big boy unders. Um, all morning long, he was telling everybody he was in his big boy unders. And so after worship service, I'm holding him in my arms and everybody's coming up to talk to me and, you know, after a time of worship and, you know, great sermon or thanks so much for this morning or great to be back. And he would interrupt everybody that came up and he'd say, <clears throat> I'm wearing big boy unders. I'd be like, stop that. And uh, I was standing in the back of this room, our worship space, talking to Suzanne Pike. And he tells her, I'm in my big boy unders. And I get out of here. And I put him down and he goes behind me. And she and I keep talking. And then suddenly she's just pointing. And I turn around and he has ditched his pants. And he's just standing here in this space where we worship the Lord God most high and nothing but his unders like this. Just as proud as he can be. It's big winners. So I pick him up and I say, You gotta leave your pants on at church. Deacon, listen, you have got to leave your pants on at church. And when I told him that, I didn't just want him to hear me, I wanted him to do what I said. You know, I made him say, Yes, sir, because listen, I don't want him to just hear me. I want him to keep his pants on at church. That's not too much to ask. <clears throat> when the Bible talks about listening, that's the idea. Not just that you hear something, but that you do it. You may remember this from James. You remember this passage. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What? Do what it says. You know, we think about listening as a passive thing. Something you just sit and do. Scripture thinks about listening as an active thing. It's not just hearing something. It is doing what you hear. All right, so let me break this down. Jesus takes the disciples to the top of the mountain. Jesus takes them there. They don't choose to go there. Jesus takes them there. When they're at the top of the mountain, God transforms Jesus right before their very eyes turns them all glorious and powerful and they see this in front of them. So Jesus takes them to the top of the mountain. God transforms Jesus on the top of the mountain so that they can see this. Also that God can speak and tell them one thing. You better listen to him. Meaning you better not only hear him, you better do what he says. Right. So why do you think that God sometimes takes us to the mountaintop. You know, maybe it's at Camp Highland. Maybe it's in a hospital room where some prayer of yours is answered. Maybe it's in a worship experience here at Highland or somewhere else. Maybe it's in the quiet time of prayer that you have in the morning with your coffee. But you have this experience. And you're up there at the top and God is so close you can reach out and touch him. And you're overcome with these feelings you don't always feel, but you love it. You love it that you love him like that in that moment. Well, why does God do that? 
Maybe the reason is not so that you feel that way. Maybe the reason is as simple as this. God sometimes makes us feel that way so we'll listen to him and do what he says. That's the point. Hmm. Now, if you have any doubt that that's the point of this passage, let me just remind you of one story. So there's two guys that appear beside Jesus, Moses and Elijah. They've both been dead for a really long time. God brings them back to appear at this scene. They're both really important people in Jewish faith. And one of those guys is Moses. Well, centuries before this, do you remember what Moses said? Moses said this. He said, the Lord your God, talking to the people of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your community, from your fellow Israelites, and he's the one you must listen to. Listen to him. <clears throat> I mean, if we were to interview Moses after this, you know, transfiguration scene, and we'd be like, what were you doing here? He was like, well, I was resting peacefully. And God comes and grabs me. And he says, you've got to prove to these people that this is the one. I keep talking from heaven. They're still not doing what he says. <laughs> So Moses shows up and he's like, this is the guy. And then did you notice that Moses and Elijah fade away? The most important people in Israel's history of faith, they fade away and who's left? Just Jesus. He's the one. Listen to him. Now, um, I know what you're thinking right now. Because I was thinking this this week as I'm wrestling with this passage. I mean, doesn't God want me to love him? Yes. Doesn't God want me to feel the warm fuzzies towards him? Isn't that what God wants? Isn't that what it means to be in a relationship with God? Isn't that what I should be pursuing? If you ask my boys, if you ask my boys, I'm proud of this. If you ask my boys, what's the most important thing? They'll tell you the most important thing is to love God, love your neighbor. Well, the, the two older boys will tell you that, the younger one, He'd probably say his big boy unders are the most important thing. So we, we got to pray for him too. But the most important thing, love God and love your neighbor. That comes from Luke. You remember this? You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. So what is love in this passage? Fortunately, Jesus tells us. And do you remember how he tells us? He tells us a story. Do you remember the story? It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the story of this man who comes across another man who's been beaten and left on the side of the road. He comes across him and he looks at him and he says, oh, bro, I love you. You complete me. Man, I love you so much. No, that's not the story. He comes across this man who's been beaten and left for dead. What does he do? He picks him up. He takes him to help him. None of us read that passage and think that loving your neighbor means I got to feel warm fuzzies towards everybody I come into contact with. We interpret that passage to mean I got to treat everybody with kindness and compassion no matter how I feel about them. That's what loving my neighbor means. So why do we interpret loving our neighbor to mean concrete acts of compassion and kindness towards everybody we come into contact with, and we interpret loving God to mean I feel warm and fuzzy towards him? That's not only inconsistent, it's debilitating. Because if you think the whole purpose of your life is to feel warm and fuzzy towards God all the time, every time you are not feeling warm and fuzzy towards him, you're gonna feel like a failure. 
What's broken with me? What's wrong with me? Why don't I feel the way about God that I'm supposed to feel? I'm supposed to love God, and I don't. Why is that? I want you to love God like that. I love it when I love God like that. I don't love God like that all the time. I'm gonna tell you a secret. There's times I get up here and preach where I don't love God like that. I want to, but I can't manufacture those feelings. You know what I mean? I can't control them. And so what do I do? I get up here and preach anyways because that's what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes God gives us these experiences where we feel so close to him. Thank you, God, for those. Thank you. But the point is not so that you feel warm and fuzzy. The point is that so you will see the glory of Jesus Christ and be compelled to listen to him and do what he says. That's God's desire for you. We talk about our calling in this life and we think like my calling is to be a, you know, a, a banker or a police officer or a preacher, whatever it is. Your calling is as simple as this, to listen to Jesus and do what he says. In whatever vocation you're doing, whether you're a parent or not a parent, single or married, working, not working, that's your calling is to behold the glory of Jesus and do what he says. Listen to him. So here's where we can kind of get confused and we say, oh man, if that's what it's about, are you saying that like this is what saves me? No, absolutely not. Is this what God wants from me? Yes, absolutely yes. This is what Paul says, this is Ephesians. You're saved by God's grace because of your faith and this salvation is God's gift. I mean, you couldn't purchase it, you didn't buy it, you didn't earn it, and he explains that. It's not something you possess, it's not something you did, you can be proud of, instead we are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way we live our lives, that's your calling right there, right? If the point of those moments in our life where we feel so close to Jesus is to get us to listen to him, then he must still be speaking. And that's why it's so important that you're in the word. That's why it's so important that you're praying. That's why it's so important you're part of a community of people who are pouring into you. I mean, how many times have you been at church and somebody comes up to you and they they say something, just a sentence, and it's the thing you've been praying about or something you're just struggling with, and they say something, they don't even know what they're talking about, and Jesus uses them to speak into your life? I mean, how can you do what he says if you're not listening? I think that God has some good thing he wants you to do. I don't know what that is, but I hope that you'll find out by listening. And when you know what that is, I want you to do it for his glory.